Blog Talk Radio. appreciate the the time you're giving me here today our pleasure for sure and we touched on it a little bit the last time you were here but like we said you have been in both worlds stand-up comedy and professional wrestling you started in comedy before getting into wrestling training for someone that has been in both worlds and someone that has seen things from an inside perspective, how would you compare and contrast as far as a performer goes, the worlds of comedy and pro wrestling? Well, uh, first of all, both, both aspects are, are uh, huge performance art, art based uh, things that are out there. Uh, you need the crowd to get behind you with either one of them. Uh, and 
and some of the best wrestling, in my opinion, is those spots that have comedy that that just are out to to entertain you and leave you uh, feeling good inside after you see it. Uh, and really, that's what what comedy is too, because you you're trying to take everybody's mind off everything that's going on out in the world and and get them immersed in in something that's gonna gonna just leave them feeling real good about themselves and and good when they they get done with it now there are fans that are invested in and fans of both genres that overlap a lot of pro wrestling fans enjoy comedy and they go to both comedy shows and wrestling shows a lot of times they are often fans of the more comedy-based promotions like your Chikara, your DDT, what have you. But from someone that is kind of an experienced hand at both, being in front of both audiences, what do you see as far as the fan bases when it comes to similarities and differences? Well, the, the similarities are they both fan bases are just looking to have a good time. Uh, a lot of both both genres will take place around bars, so so people are just out having fun, getting that party environment on, um, and it, it it differs in it, there's there's not really not a lot of uh, huge differences in in my opinion on on both crowds, as they both just want that that entertainment um, that they're looking for. Now, I know that in pro wrestling, a lot of times, historically speaking, fans would cross that line and they would attack wrestlers. We've heard stories of wrestlers being stabbed, having acid thrown on them, having their cars burned down. It's not quite like that as much anymore for the most part. But in comedy, you've had fans that go there and they heckle the comedian and they try to throw jabs back at the comedian, disrupt their sets. Which is harder for you when you come into crowds that maybe want to be sort of the hard type of crowd and not go along with what the entertainment is? Would you say it's harder to fight back as a comedian or harder as a wrestler? Uh, I would say it's a little harder as a comedian, at least for me. Um, it, it it throws you off your game a little bit, and a comedian they're gonna come in with something prepared a lot of times. So if if someone throws them off their game on that, it it's a little harder. Uh, we're in wrestling, regardless of what the crowd is saying to me. I'm gonna go out there. I'm gonna smash skulls and and move on with my day. They're gonna like it or not. They're gonna like me or not. And at the end of the day in the ring, uh, I'm just out to to crush people and move on. Where in, in comedy, I do kind of need the crowd behind me. I need them to enjoy what I'm I'm throwing out there. Uh, so it's definitely harder as a, as a comedian to get past that, that obstacle sometimes. 
in recent years, we've seen a lot of professional wrestlers entering stand-up comedy. You have people like Jake Roberts, Rob Van Dam, Mick Foley, all on the a bigger national stage wrestling, entering stand-up comedy. Uh, we have seen a lot of independent wrestlers. As far as Funny Haha Month goes on this very program, uh, we've talked to a few independent-based wrestlers that dabble in stand-up, people like Ethan H.D., uh, the Ripper Jack Stevens, Dover Nola, a lot of independent wrestlers also going that route lately. Why do you think it is that so many wrestlers have, in the last few years, started to enter the world of stand-up comedy? I, I think uh, wrestling and comedy do go hand-in-hand hand really well together. And just uh, a lot of comedy is is just telling stories in in a funny format. And just based off of what I've seen in locker rooms that I've, I've been in, the the wrestling world is a is a fun place. So to be able to get a go out there, uh, get on stage and and share that as well as a, a little bit of uh, a little piece of yourself as well, and and let people in and let them see. Uh, a different side of you as a as a performer instead of what you do in the ring compared to what you do on stage. One of the big moments for not only comics but for anyone in the entertainment genre is getting to host Saturday Night Live in the 45-plus year history of that show, there have been very few professional wrestlers that hosted it despite the vast popularity of wrestling. Wrestling tends to lend itself to being improvisational. We've seen a lot of wrestlers go into acting. Uh, A lot of the comic timing wrestlers would have down as well. Why do you think it is that so few wrestlers have been granted the opportunity to host that particular program? Um, I really wouldn't know how to answer that one. I was, uh, wasn't expecting that. That question kind of threw me off there a little bit. I would say it might come down to uh, how thing, things play out. Like uh, Saturday Night Live, it's looked at more as a, a satire uh, show where it's going to make fun of things more often. And I feel like maybe a lot of wrestlers wouldn't want to put themselves in that, that position to, to make their craft look like a joke. Uh, I know that when some of the, the wrestlers that have done it have have posted it uh they they kind of towed that line a little bit and did it in a in a good way but uh i really don't don't have a a better answer for you on on that one if you ever run into the producers of saturday night live you could always ask them i guess oh As far as wrestling goes, uh, you recently 
were at a brand new venue for you. Uh, Blue Collar Wrestling was in a co-promotional venture with Woo America at the Key Civic Center in Vaughn, Washington. Uh, you fought Big Vicious on that particular night. Why did you think of the Key Peninsula Civic Center as a wrestling venue? Uh, I thought it was a, a really nice, uh, roomy uh, area. Is uh, uh, I believe it was a gym that we were we were in in that that area. So it was nice, high ceilings. Um, could fit a lot of people in there if you you needed to. It was uh, overall it was a pretty nice venue. I'd definitely go and work there again. As far as that match was big vicious. Uh, you have fought him before, but it had been quite some time, and you have gone through quite a bit of training since relocating to the greater Spokane area. What was different for you in this match against Big Vicious as opposed to a couple of years ago when you were facing Big Vicious? Uh, I think it's it's more I've I've evolved uh in the ring a lot more. Uh gotten more back to the, the truer side of myself and got in touch with my, my ancestral side. Um and and really have just tried to, to bring that out in my matches and uh, Big Vicious was definitely a, a tough competitor. Uh I have have been in the ring with with some monsters before and uh he he definitely was a, a tough test there, and I'd love to to try to go toe to toe with him again. And if you remember, he did have to cheat in that match just to beat me. So uh, I definitely think I I could take him down. Now, of course, Big Vicious part of the Freak Show, and his manager Paul Freakshine, despite diving to the floor from the stage to throw people off balance. He is a cunning manager, and since fully aligning with the Freak Show, he has seen sort of a transformation and a much, much darker side to his personality. Do you think Paul Freakshine maybe got into your head a little bit in that particular match? So I, I've I've been noticing a, a lot of uh, what Pa's been doing out there. Um, he didn't really get into my head. If anything, he he distracted me from my ultimate goal. And I try to stay respectful of the elderly. But uh, I gotta say, next time Pa puts his his hands on me, the outcome may not be so so great for him. Uh, if he wants to to try to prove his worth uh, in ringside, uh, I'd be more than happy to send him to Valhalla. And like you said, you got in touch with your Viking roots in the last several months. Historically, there have been a few wrestlers that likewise have explored their Viking roots. Uh, we have had wrestlers such as Odwin the Viking, uh, on the independent circuit here on the western third of the country. We've had the Berserker. Uh, Tony Holmey for a while was known as the Viking. 
what would you say, in your view, has been the most successful of the Viking-based wrestlers that we've seen? Uh, so to right off of hand, the the two on the the big show would be the uh, pretty successful in my opinion. They've they've managed to make it and and got the call from the E and are are up there working to be the the Viking Raiders. Um, and and I not a bad was, uh, choice at all. No. Uh, Definitely, I think that's the the ultimate goal for for everybody is to to land one of those contracts with one of those bigger shows out there. So, it, I mean, that that would be, in my opinion, a pretty successful uh, duo right there. I think you're very right as well. Now, ultimately, looking at your career down the line. Would it be on your career goal list to be able to join the Viking Raiders and make that tag team a three-person faction? Uh, honestly, I respect what what they do in the ring, but I'd I'd go more towards my my own route and. Uh, if anything, I'd be looking to reconnect with my brother back in, in the Portland area, uh, the second member of War Party, uh, be, be Caleb Rex, and love to, to tear up some matches with him again. Now, he also was at that show at the Key Peninsula Civic Center, uh, of course, BCW just getting back into doing live shows slowly as things normalize in Oregon. He, of course, defeated you at one point in a loser leaves match. Uh, he was the reason that you had to leave Blue Collar Wrestling originally. Obviously, you have uh, come to grips with that and have mended fences. Can you tell us a little bit about the process that happened where you went from fighting in a loser leaves to now wanting to reform the tag team? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, brothers fight, you know, it's what they do. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, the the one person you can always count on to have your back is your brother. And that's, that's what I see him as in, uh, I'd have his back, and I know that going into battle, there's there's no one better I'd I'd rather have uh, to help me hold my shield than than uh, Caleb. Very well said. Now, one of the things about blue collar wrestling is. They are not quite back to weekly shows, but they just started at uh, a new venue in Oregon, which they plan to run sporadically, the whole scene. They also were up here in Washington for the co-promotional show, but it looks like they will be running weekly in a brand-new place. You have relocated since then, but are there plans for you to – 
maybe once Blue Collar gets back to a weekly slot, be a semi-regular for them? You know, I'm just just waiting on the call, uh, waiting for that that opportunity to to go out there and uh, step into what I consider my battlefield and and lay waste some more. So if I got the call, I'd definitely uh, be looking to to venture back there and and start raiding the the Portland area again. And when you lost that match, you went to the greater Spokane area, uh, sort of that Idaho and the very eastern edge of Washington area. You started training with uh, different people once you got to Spokane. What was that like uh, looking to get into training, finding the proper people to help you continue your training and getting into wrestling in that area? Uh, so yeah, when uh, when I knew I had to to come back up here, I wanted to make sure that uh, I wouldn't get any uh, ring rust and could still still continue and, and hone my craft and get that ring time in. Um, and I knew of uh, some people over here and some friends, so I, I reached out as soon as I could to make sure that I did have that that place to to work different things out and work on new moves and, and figure out exactly where I'm going with this, uh, with this business. Do you have sort of an end goal in mind with your wrestling career? Do you have anything that you want to accomplish as the ultimate goal in the business? Or are you still sort of open to, whatever comes will be whatever comes. Yeah. Well, at, at this point, uh, like a lot of wrestlers on the independent circuit, you know, I, I do have a, a day job on top of what I'm doing in the ring. Uh, my end goal is to make this my day job. I, I would much rather get paid to step into a ring, uh, beat some people up and go home at the end of the day. Uh, I've, uh, I myself have been a fan of wrestling since I was nine years old. Uh, the first time I watched it was, was alongside my grandpa. And I knew from, from that time that, uh, this was what, this was what I wanted to do. Uh, so I, at, at this point, I'm just trying to do everything I can to make that a reality. And when you watched professional wrestling when you were coming up, obviously everyone has this sort of moment once they get into the business. Did you ever envision yourself getting the chance to work with some of the people that you were watching on television and then have that moment I was watching this guy as a fan, and here we are, peers and equals in the same locker room. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, I, I wrestled a, a giant at a at a raceway 
in, in North Idaho. And on that same show, uh, WWE legend Rikishi uh, made an appearance. Uh, while there wasn't really a locker room, I, I did have that moment where I was in the middle of this match and I looked over and right at ringside was Rikishi um, watching me when, as a kid, I would sit there every week and watch him. So that was, that was kind of a, a cool moment for me to to see that and be like, oh, my God, I watch this guy and he's watching me now. Uh, did you go to Rikishi and ask him to watch your match, or do you know if he actually on his own watched the match? Uh, so he was he had a, a front row for the whole show. That was just where the the way the show was set up. He he was there watching every match, so it was uh, it was a, a pretty cool moment in, in general. Everybody got to got to perform in front of him. Now, you have also been on shows, I'm sure, where it may not be someone from national television per se, but uh, people that you were watching as a fan of pro wrestling that wrestled locally that were well-known in the area. When you transitioned from being a fan of the business to being in the business, was there a little bit of that intimidation factor at first where you knew this was someone that was well-known in the area and locally famous, and now here you were trying to be on the same playing field as them? I mean, I I don't think I'll ever stop being a, a fan, even being in the business. I'm, I'm always going to be a fan uh, of the business. Um and as far as, as being able to get a chance to get in the ring with with anybody who has that that tenure um, and have been around in the business a while, uh, it's always a great opportunity because I know that at the end of the day, uh, I'm going to learn something that I didn't know before going in that match. So it's always a, a great opportunity for me to to get to work with people that have been around and been doing it a while. Oh, do you, even when you were still training to wrestle, uh, were known among the wrestlers as a stand-up comic, and we knew that you uh, worked at a comedy store and so forth and so on. Did you get a lot of the wrestlers coming to the comedy shop to watch you perform stand-up, be it as a trainee for wrestling or once you started as a wrestler? Uh, I haven't uh, had a lot of people that I've I've had the chance to train with uh, come out and check out my shows. Um, the the comedy shows have been a lot more sporadic for me than the the wrestling has lately. Um, but but uh, uh, I wouldn't have even gotten into the wrestling if it wasn't for for Caleb Rex turning me on to, to BCW and and letting me know about all that. And he let me know about that after watching one of my sets 
because we were working together at the same place. And when you get pro wrestlers going to the comedy shows, sometimes uh, things can get interesting. I know Caleb Rex had a trouble with uh, Tommy C at one. They had a famous brawl that broke out in a comedy store. Are you ever nervous that you might be up there doing stand-up comedy turn around and there's Kevin Brandt with a chair to the head or something like that. Yeah, that that's never that's never really crossed my mind on on that happening. Um I haven't I don't I don't see that as being one of my fears. I'm never afraid of someone who wants to to try to pick a fight with me to a funeral in the end. Well, hopefully Kevin Brandt won't hear this and get any ideas and come at you with a chair when you're trying to be funny ha-ha on stage. Now, one of the things that obviously is a job in both wrestling and comedy is promoting uh, there are promoters that put on the events in both genres. These are the people that either own the company or they work for the company, and they're the ones that do the legwork to set up the events, find the venues, make sure people that need to be paid are getting paid, line up talent, that sort of thing. Have you ever thought of getting into the promotional aspect of either genre or one or the other? Um, as far as, as promoting, um, I have uh, I have actually produced my own comedy show um, at the, the comedy club that I was working at there in Portland. Um, and it does have a, its challenges. You got to figure out the, the lineup that you want to put out there. Um, and as far as, as trying to run my own uh wrestling show i don't think i'd i'd want to do that i just want to want to go out and wrestle and and beat people up and um if i get the chance to tell some jokes in the in the meantime then that's always a a plus how have you ever been in talks to set up your own wrestling show since uh, you have experience setting up a comedy show I have uh, I have not but I have had some ideas uh, myself to uh, maybe blend both the, the comedy and the, the wrestling world in a, in a fun way um, I would just need to figure out the resources to, to make that that actually happen like I said earlier in the show, there have been promotions that have blended comedy with wrestling, such as Chikara, DDT, Gouge in North Carolina. Do you find yourself more drawn to promotions like that that blend comedy with wrestling, or do you prefer a different style of wrestling when you're watching that, or do you 
enjoy that but prefer something else? I'm a I'm a fan of of most all wrestling. I haven't seen a lot of wrestling that I I don't like. Uh, just just pretty much uh, anything that that's out there. Uh, like I said, I, from the time I was a, a young boy and I first saw this this product, I was instantly hooked and have uh, been following it ever since. Oh, Chikara, I believe, is defunct, but in 2021, we still have Gouge, which is gimmicks only underground grappling entertainment, and they feature a lot of comedy-based wrestling. Have you ever reached out to Gouge to see if the door would be open for you to travel to North Carolina and attempt to wrestle there? I have not, but I, I'm always open for for making trips to, to wrestle, uh, especially North Carolina. That would be a great place to to try to, to cut my teeth in the, the business there. Huge history in that area. Well, I have been to Gouge. It was my only dream in life. I worked my way up to main event of the first post-pandemic gouge show where I teamed with Bobby Wolford and we were managed by a stuffed monkey, an actual literal bulldog named Bentley the Brain Heenan, and Chicken Bob. So if you need a reference, I would give you a reference. Now, speaking of Chicken Bob, you appeared on the Instagram of Chicken Bob in the last several weeks. I believe it was from that show at the Key Peninsula Civic Center. You and Chicken Bob seem to be very, very tight. What's the relationship like between you and Chicken Bob? Uh, you know, he approached me. You know, I've, I never turned down an opportunity to, to take a picture with a fan. He seemed like he, he was a fan, so, you know, uh admittedly i don't keep up as as well as i should with my my social media with instagram so i haven't had a chance to check out uh any of that um yet but uh i'll definitely check that out but it is definitely there i'm conspicuous by his absence from the match you had with big vicious was Big V's manager, Bob. We haven't seen Bob in quite some time. Do you have any information on where Bob has been lately and when we might see him again in the future? Uh, Honestly, I didn't even uh, process that. Uh, The fact that he wasn't there, I was just out uh, looking for a fight that night and and I found one in Big V, so that's that's pretty much all that, that my concern was with, with that match. Very interesting. One of the more famous comedians that 
has a very strong tie to professional wrestling is Andy Kaufman. He was one of the world's best-known comics, and he loved professional wrestling so much that he wanted to be part of it. He ended up working in the Memphis Territory, and he made appearances in that territory for close to a year and a half, uh, fighting with the likes of Jerry Lawler, uh, teaming up with Jimmy Hart. He did quite a bit in professional wrestling, not to mention he was the self-proclaimed intergender wrestling champion where he would go to various comedy clubs and wrestle women in intergender matches. Do you ever go back and study what Andy Kaufman was doing, not only as far as comedy, but what he did in professional wrestling? Uh, I honestly can't can't say that I, I have. Um, the One of my favorite Jim Carrey movies and roles that he has done is how he portrayed Andy Kaufman. Um, and that, that man was just a genius on both fronts as far as, uh, the comedy world and the, the wrestling world. He was in a, a league of his own and had a mind for, for both to, to be able to understand exactly what, what people needed at that time. And, um, for him, it was it was a villain, and he he loved being that villain, and he was was damn good at it. Uh, Andy Kaufman was such a fan of pro wrestling that he even uh, saved all of his checks from wrestling. When he passed away, they found a drawer full of uncashed checks from the Memphis Territory, which probably was a nightmare for accounting. He also paid for the ambulance that took him to the hospital after Jerry Lawler pile drove him. Uh, On the comedy side, he would often pay out of pocket to take the audience to get cookies and milk and things of that nature. He really invested a lot of money into what he did, even though he was usually the villain. Do you think that in today's world that something like that would work where someone could have a villain persona and really get the fans invested in that villain persona but still do things like buy milk and cookies and uh, be in the business basically for free, just trying to give back and the fans not realize that and start cheering for that person. Uh, I think you, you see that a lot in, in all aspects of of entertainment, Uh, not just the the comedy world um, because the comedy world and the wrestling world, they all, they all kind of borrow from, from all aspects of, of life. And you, you take shows where you have, have main, main villains of that show and they're so good at what they do. And they have that, that great off screen presence with, uh, with uh, the audience that, that they end up 
pretty much getting over and and even though you're supposed to hate that person you, you end up liking them as, as a as a person around 25 years ago give or take a few years we started to see in professional wrestling an influx of comedy writers that would come in and they were helping to format and uh, like plan out the television shows. Uh, guys like Ed Ferrara came to WWE from writing on Duckman for USA Network. Uh, you have Freddie Prince Jr., who is a famous comedian that eventually was a WWE writer 15 years ago. WWE has employed several of their writers from the world of comedy. They may or may not have a working knowledge of professional wrestling when they come into the company. Their backgrounds largely are like television-based comedy. Do you have an opinion on how these comedy writers have affected what we see as wrestling fans on televised wrestling? Uh, can I kick it that, that question uh, one more time? Yeah, do you see, I, when they have the comedy writers come into professional wrestling and they don't necessarily have a background in pro wrestling, but their background is televised wrestling, uh, do you have an opinion on what that has done for the televised wrestling that we see over the last 20, 25 years. Um, I mean, some of the, some of the stuff that, that they've put out has not always landed. Um, in, in my opinion, uh, it, it does work better if you're, if you know a little bit of the business, but if you're a fan of wrestling, I feel it, it makes it easier, whatever aspect you're, you're in either writing, refereeing, wrestling, even if you're working security at, at a show, if you're a fan of wrestling, you can kind of understand from the fan point of what would, what would a fan like from this product? And you can, can try to give them that a little bit more, uh, I know that's why I always want to keep that that fan side of things and and look at the product as a fan instead of a worker, uh, so I can can still see like if I'm going to enjoy this, I bet somebody else as a fan would enjoy this. Fair enough. Now we've seen a lot of comedians come through the pike that are fairly good sized. Uh, be it just they're very uh, large individuals. Uh, some of them look like they have definitely been hitting the weights. People like Carrot Top, Sinbad, um, Gabriel Iglesias. There's a lot of really big comics out there that aren't that much different in size than a lot of the wrestlers we see. From the comedy world, who do you think could enter professional wrestling that we have not seen yet 
that might have the biggest impact on professional wrestling? Uh, man, I'd have to say Burt Kreischer, the the machine. He's already got an over-the-top personality and uh, would would easily fit in and, and be one of the boys, I think. All right. Now, on the flip side of that, uh, we talked earlier about a lot of the wrestlers trying their hand at stand-up over the last few years. Of all of the wrestlers that have not yet entered that realm, who do you see out there that might be best suited to enter stand-up comedy? Uh, CM Punk. Uh, you you put a microphone in that man's hand, and it, it's going to be entertainment uh, through and through. When CM Punk came back to professional wrestling a few weeks ago, do you think that that would spark an interest if he were to sideline into professional comedy? Do you think that now that he's back in wrestling, it would give him a bigger chance at succeeding in comedy? Or do you think that he would have been successful even if he hadn't come back to wrestling and just wanted to get into comedy. I don't, I don't think it would sideline him from, from either, or I think he'd be able to to balance both uh, pretty well, especially with the, the company that he's working for. They're really good at, at working with their talent in that aspect. Now we know in today's marketplace, in professional wrestling, merchandise has become almost essential for wrestlers and in some cases promotions to be able to make any money, especially as we're still in the phase of becoming normalized again. We aren't 100% there. Merchandise has really helped uh, keep money flowing within professional wrestling on the comedy side of things, do you see merchandising as being as important as it is to wrestling, or is there a big difference in wrestling merchandising as opposed to comedy merchandising? Uh, it, it's just as important. Uh, the comedians, uh, a lot of the shows that you'll go to, they'll have a merchandise booth set up. They'll have shirts, uh keychains, stickers, uh, they'll have, have albums that they've recorded that you can buy. Um, pretty much anything that you may find at a wrestling show, you're going to find at a comedy show as far as merchandise. Uh, I think one thing that the comedy world is missing that the wrestling world uh, does have is those giant foam fingers. Uh, I think that uh, a lot more venues would would benefit from foam fingers at comedy shows to, to let the comedian know that the, the joke was spot on. That's not a bad idea. I'm looking at 
the world of comedy, obviously in wrestling, uh, wrestlers will try to sell anything they can, and they have personas that help with merchandising. They try to customize things to their wrestling persona that fans might want to buy. But in comedy, do you see a lot of that customization type of merchandise, or is the merchandise you see at comedy shows just your standard generic stickers and shirts and hats and that type of thing? Uh, no, they have they have a little bit of everything as far as as merchandise goes. Um, either either the stuff they have is gonna gonna reflect on on what their character is that they portray on stage because really that's all it is. You have a a comedian who's a average run of the mill person uh, in their normal everyday life, and as soon as they get on stage, it it's a character that they're playing. It may be it may be talking about their life, but it's still still a character. Like Gabriel Iglesias, uh, Fluffy, that's just him over the top, dialed up to, to 11, just like in the the wrestling world. So a lot of times they'll put stuff out there that uh, that reflects on, on them and their, their character on stage. Now, when you go to wrestling shows now, uh, you mostly aren't doing comedy as far as uh, your wrestling goes. You're more of a a big powerhouse type of wrestler. When you go to shows in recent times and a lot of the wrestlers maybe aren't as familiar with you, do they still know that you are actually a comedian as well, or are they surprised to learn that you've worked in the world of professional comedy? That's not something that, that a lot of people know. I don't, I don't go around and just broadcast it. Uh, as soon as I walk into a room, uh, I don't know that they, they'd be surprised because as soon as you, you sit down and just have a conversation with me, I'm always trying to, to look for a joke that I can, can throw in and sprinkle a little bit here and there. Um, but, but then when I, I get into the, the ring, it's all business and I'm ready to, to go. Now, obviously, uh, you've been wrestling since you dropped that match to Caleb Rex in new areas uh, where you hadn't been before. You're still new in your career, so that's going to be a thing for a while, hitting new places. When you go somewhere new, be it in wrestling or even in comedy, when you get to a venue, how often is it for you that it, is an instant connection between you and the fans. Do you get that instant reaction from the crowds or does it take you a few times going back to really get the fans behind you? I've, I've noticed that as soon as uh, I get out there, I, I can get a reaction from the crowd, uh, especially like, like when I go to Vaughn, uh, I've noticed people, 
really dig the the whole Viking vibe that I, I give out off and uh, really are, are drawn to that. Um, so it uh, it all depends on the the crowd too. Some of them that I've performed in front of have been smaller, so it's been a little harder to to get through to them. But uh, I usually feel like I have a good connection as soon as I get out there. I'm looking at your end goal for comedy. We discussed this for the wrestling side, but what would you say is your ultimate goal as far as your comedic career? Um, you know, it's not, not quite as, as in-depth as my, my wrestling. Uh, I'd really love to, to make a living off of that. The, the comedy, uh, I've wanted to at least get on stage and know that I could could do it. I've always been a fan of that. Um, it quite frankly helped get me through high school uh, a lot of times. Uh, was getting that that opportunity to to flip on, turn on my favorite comedians, and and watch their sets and and get to do that. Uh, so I think if I could just just do it on occasion uh, going forward, it would be honestly good for me um but but really the the wrestling is where i really want to put uh, all my eggs in that basket and and try to get that taken off now going back many 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 decades professional wrestlers have done guest star roles on television situational comedies. You have Fred Lassie doing stint on the Mary Tyler Moore show and Dick Van Dyke. You had Jesse Ventura pop up on Small Wonder. There is an actual pro wrestling based sitcom in the eighties called Learning the Rope starring Lyle Alzado. What would you say has been from what you've seen the best pro wrestler or pro wrestling influenced situational comedy episode? Um, Boy Meets World uh, comes to mind. Um, You had Frankie the Enforcer and and Corey and Sean had to deal with his dad who happened to be uh, the late great Vader and they had uh, a full-on uh, WWE show that they went to and got to be at ringside while Vader fought Jake the Snake. So you had you had Vader and uh, get to do some fun spots with with that show. So that, for me, it would it would have to be that. Well, we're down to the last few minutes of the show, and I want to make sure you have ample time. If there is anything you'd like to say to the listeners today, plug and promote absolutely anything you want, social media, upcoming appearances, your favorite dry cleaner, anything in the world, floor is all yours. All right, so I got uh, coming up, we have SAPW that has just started running again in Spokane. Uh, December 11th is going to be their next show. Um, I'm set to go out and and 
do battle and, and rip up whoever they put in the ring with me that night. Uh, you can follow me at my Facebook at Ernest Olson. Uh, my Instagram, uh, the Northman. Uh, if you want to want to support me, you can go on to ProWrestlingTees.com. Um, search the Northman on there. I got a few shirts that you could get there. Uh, if you're, you're following me on Facebook, I got stickers, keychains, coasters, uh, any merchandise. You can hit me up there. I can send it out wherever you're at. Uh, I think that's that's pretty much it. Well, Northman Ernest Olson, it has been a pleasure having you back on Turnbuckle Turmoil. We definitely appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Best of luck to you as you continue in both genres, and thank you for being the anchor here on Funny Ha Ha Month. Yeah, yeah, thanks again for for having me on the show. Uh, It's always a a fun time uh, getting to sit down and talk to you. Absolutely. I'm sure our paths will cross in the not-too-distant future. So, definitely, if you see that Northman Ernie Olsen will be on a show near you, go buy a ticket, support what he does. If he's at a comedy store doing his stand-up, well, we're checking that out as well. We will be back with you next week, next Friday afternoon. We have the return of Jason Chaos, who recently had to retire uh, due to health reasons. He'll be back to update us on what's going on with him. And then one week from this very day, we have the Ballard Brothers making their solo tag team appearance on the show. They were with us for Hockey Day earlier in this year. They'll be back as a tag team. Great, great tag team here on the West Coast. So make sure you have plans to be with us for them. Should be a great time. Everybody Stay safe during Halloween. Get out there, support your local independent wrestling. If you're at the WAC show in Everett, come say hi to myself and QT, and we'll talk to you soon.